Greetings. This is the Sex Ed Book Review Podcast, the podcast where we read sex ed books before you, tell you all about them so you can decide if it's right for you and those that you care about. Content warning, there's a discussion of sexuality, sexual health, and bodies, and we sometimes talk about sexual abuse and assault. And as ever, I am Landa Fox. Uh, My pronouns are she and her. I am a board-certified behavior analyst and certified sexual health educator coming to you and your listening ears from Victoria, BC, Canada. Phenomenal. Um, I am Barb Gross. I uh, also use she, her pronouns. I am also a board-certified behavior analyst. I am um, an ASEC certified sexuality educator, and I have a couple of loud dogs in the background. Um, and me and my dogs are in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, in the United States. But that's not all. We've got no, more. We've got more today. Uh, today we have a author with us, um, and we are talking about the P word, a manual for mammals, by Dr. David Hu published in 2023 by Science Naturally, featuring illustrations by Elias Arahovitis. And this book is a easy to understand manual, gives readers an overview of how and why penises work, weaving together insights and instructive illustrations about how humans and other mammals penises operate. It's a frank and fun book that's the ultimate guide to having a penis and keeping it healthy. David is a mechanical engineer and biologist, which I love, and he studies interactions between animals and water, and we'll talk a bit about some fluid-based things in this episode as well. Uh, Fascinating discoveries, including how dogs shake dry and how eyelashes protect the eyes, and today he's joining us to talk about the P word, and that is penises. So, David, welcome. Thanks, Landa. It's great to be here. Um, so we have a, a couple of questions that we usually ask. And the first one that we start off with is we love for people to describe the covers of their books for us uh, because we are an audio medium. So can you tell us a bit about what's on the front cover if people go searching for the book online? Yeah, imagine um, the world's mammals are standing outside a bathroom that's being occupied. So everyone's holding sort of uncomfortable postures that you do when you feel like your bladder is really full, uh, all the way from a cat to an elephant to a bear. Nice. And a, and a couple little human creatures in there too. And I, the tail peeking out of the bathroom stall looks like maybe a tiger. We'll yeah. See. Maybe they're taking their time to spray correctly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so um, the, the, P word, a manual for mammals. Um, can you tell us what inspired you to uh, write the book? Uh, maybe a bit about sort of like the process that you went through. And we also love um, when authors give us some insight into the process of working with illustrators, because we know that that's often, um, you know, you're usually not sitting down together with an illustrator writing a book. Those things usually happen sort of separately. So we'd love to hear about your inspiration and your process. Sure. Um well, this book uh, was inspired by uh, my two children. I have a boy and a girl. Um, when we started this book, my boy was 10 years old, um, and he'd have lots and lots of questions about his penis, and I mean, he still does. Um, and uh, at the time, he was also going through uh, this class that you teach, Landa, the sex ed class in his uh, fifth and sixth grade classes, um, uh, and he said it was it was a little bit awkward. 
uh, <laughs> splitting the uh, groups into two two uh, different sides. Um, and uh, I kind of wanted to write a book that was fun for them um, and also take away some of the awkwardness by keeping the focus on mammals in general. Um, so all the things that we share with mammals and showing that even though uh, humans, we think we are, you know, our penises, our genitals are weird. Um, they're nothing at all like, compared to what exists out there. Like the, the spiny, spiny penis of the cats, um, uh, the four headed penises of these um, echidnas um, and all these other animals that uh, evolved to use their penises um, for different functions. Yeah, I, I there are some great illustrations of those like animal penises that are just sort of like I think to me that part of the book yeah stood out as kind of like normalizing I guess so that sort of was your attempt to kind of normalize like there's lots of people people have penises and animals have penises it's just a thing that exists. Yeah, that's right, and I think this is a perfect book for a children's book with a hand drawn illustrator because there's. Once you see photographs of another human, it just gets like very clinical. Um, uh, so this kind of like abstracts it and uh, makes it, I don't know, when you see something in a cartoon, it's not as threatening or as strange and weird. It's uh, it's something that's easier to take in. And uh, so we have all these cartoon animals. Um, uh, and this is drawn by Elias Arohovitz. Um, he's, he... He started working on the illustrations actually after we had finished the book. Um, so we mm. kind of had the text and the ideas and uh, they're looking for someone who could really, you know, get get into this idea of drawing tons and tons of penises <laughs> in a children's <laughs> book. Um, I mean, it's a it's a challenge. Uh, yeah. He goes from these scientific illustrations. Um, but uh, I think that he I think it, it they look great. Um, and something about once you have this artist touch there, it's not. It's not as scary. It's not as scary or weird anymore. Yeah, I, I think that the yeah the illustrations are really fun. Like the pages are all sort of like really brightly colored. I mean, the drawings of the penises, like the human penises, are great. There's one that's got sort of like a color scale that sort of shows that you know penises can be all of these different colors, which I think is really nice. I've got some books that I've used for teaching that are have some black and white drawings of penises. And then those aren't maybe people don't really see like a penis that looks like theirs. And he's got great illustrations. I mean, kind of guided by your text, obviously, of like penises with circumcision and and not and, and different yeah. like shapes and sizes. So I, I think that the drawings are really helpful. And for me as an educator, helpful to sort of show in like one because there's like a, a, a page that has like six different examples, which is way easier to show as an educator than trying to like find a bunch of different books to flip through oh, and yeah. find a bunch of different examples. It's like, here's just a page with like all of these examples. So it's really helpful. I was uh, mentioning yeah. to you before that I, I used it with a client <laughs> um, just this past week to sort of be like, and these are some examples of what it looks like. It was super helpful. Yeah. That pianist montage page is pretty, <laughs> pretty famous at this point. Um, I don't think that's going to show up on the google free books books part but uh, yeah <laughs> i've gotten a couple of emails about that page already because uh i mean that's the that's the reality every the, everyone has a unique color and shape and uh there's no norm there's no average there's just um i mean you have all these different they're all they all work and they all work great so um, we kind of wanted like a 
maybe like a video game feel the basically like mm. you choose your like you know you outfit your race car with like these uh fast uh fast wheels and things like that and we say oh well you have all these colors you can change all, all these uh different features uh and that's the way uh humans work yeah yeah as, yeah. A, as an rpg video gamer that's absolutely what i thought it's like the changing of the skin tone for yep 100 <laughs> percent. it's like this is this is not a feature in skyrim as of right now but also feels very much like that. That's amazing. Um, so the book is kind of divided into five short sections. Like I would hesitate to call them chapters, but sections. Um, and I will, like, you don't maybe have to talk about all of them, but sort of why you included them. And I think particularly you've got like a, a, a big section about marking territory or, or like and peeing in different places, including like peeing in space. Um, and I would love for you to t- maybe touch on the reasons why you thought like including that information. I mean, I think part of that, my assumption was that that seems to be like the the work that you do, uh, you know, that in your, it, you know, your, your day job for, for lack of a better word is like a, a mechanical engineer and biologist and your research around water and things like that. I assumed that that's where the, the urine content came from, but I'd love if you could tell us a bit more about that. That's right. So um, uh, we start with a sort of bird's eye view of how the penis evolved. Um, there's uh, animals that, like us, uh, apes and bats, that we basically just walk around or fly around with our penis just hanging out there. And then you've got your, you know, your cats and your dogs uh, and all, all sorts of furry mammals. They are sort of have a way of sort of keeping it hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just goes to show there's. Uh, the penis is the penis and the urine that comes out of it. They're both really, they serve purposes of communication. So um, some animals will have, you know, dark red penises with light blue testicles. I was in Panama the other, uh, this last week, and there's uh, these monkeys, uh, I think howler monkeys that have white testicles, like bright white testicles and the rest of their fur is brown. So it's like, Oh, why is there a spotlight on that monkey? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> So there's all there's all these different features um, of how how they are. Um, uh, then the primary so there's the one primary reason we need a penis is um, <clears throat> the the one that we use every day is the, getting rid of waste, and uh, so the body is taking in all these nutrients um, every four heartbeats. Your all your blood circulates through your kidneys, uh, pulling out these waste products, and so you've got to release release it. And uh, that's where also the technology of these astronauts um, and uh, airplane pilots uh, came in, because if you're strapped to, you know, a fighter jet, <clears throat> how are you going to uh, pee in the middle of your dogfight? Or if you're uh, going into space, um, how do you pee when you're, you know, in zero gravity? And so mm-hmm. we talk about there's these piddle packs and these special devices that um, allow you to to release the pee, because no matter what situation you're in, you're still going to have your body still processing um it's blood and you've got to release uh, this urine. We talk about the 21 second rule, um, <clears throat> which is a discovery from my lab that mm-hmm. uh, we went to the Atlanta Zoo, um, inspired a little bit by watching um, my son pee when he was very, very young. Um, you know, children, they have much smaller bladders than you. You'd expect them to pee for shorter periods of time. Um, similarly, elephants have a bladder that's 100 times that of a human. It's about 20 liters, like a kitchen garbage can. Uh, and you would expect them to take longer. Um, but what we showed 
uh, by collecting all the urine from these animals that they all pee for about the same time, which is 21 seconds on average. So how can they do that? Um, we talk about in the book how elephants, they have, and all mammals actually, they have this uh, pipe called a urethra. And no one really knew what the urethra does, but it usually stands vertically. And so when you have sort of a tall, for example, a female elephant will have a 1.5 meter long urethra in its body and a male even longer. Um, that tall pipe allows urine <clears throat> to fall faster because of gravity. So it basically there's this thing called gravitational pressure that builds up in the bottom of the urethra, just like it were at the bottom of a swimming pool. And that allows the elephants to pee at a rate of like five shower heads. So it allows, <laughs> you know, 20 liters to come out really, really, really fast. Um, yeah. And I've been there in person. If elephant pees, um, conversations stop. It's not really something you can just, uh, <laughs> you can just ignore. It's like a waterfall. Uh, so everyone just sort of stops. It's like an airplane passing over by uh, for 21 seconds. Um, so yeah, that's the third chapter. <clears throat> um, uh, a lot of the, so not all animals follow the 21 second rule because some of them are using their pee to communicate with their neighbors. Um, maintaining territory, so maintaining resources like food and mates is a big thing for animals. Uh, if they can reduce their fights with their neighbors. Um, they can survive longer and breed, uh, breed. So a lot of them have found ways to leave their urine in uh, prominent spots. Um, you know, urine has lots of chemicals. I think over 200 different um, kinds of molecules that are not found in the blood. It's so good at filtering out the stuff in our body. So when mammals smell each other's urine, they can tell lots of different information. Um, they can tell the gender. Uh, they can tell how old the animal is. They can even tell if it's in uh, its sexual status, if it's able to mate. They can tell if it's a dominant individual or a submissive individual, if they're sort of the top of the pack or not, just by smelling um, the urine. So because it has all this information, it's, it's basically like, you know, a Facebook post, all these things, they don't want to put it in the bottom of your feed. They want to put it as prominent as possible. So mm. uh, if, and if you've walked dolls, you'll see they'll, you know, have the three-legged stance to aim as high as possible. Uh, pandas will go in a handstand to basically imitate a much taller animal and pee, leave it really high up. Um, uh, cool. Cats, including tigers, they've evolved ways to sort of evert their penis so that it comes out like a spray, like a, you know, a spritz bottle, and it can basically co cover a much larger area. Hmm. <laughs> so marking territory, I think is fun. Um, and it, uh, the next chapter is basically practical things about the penis. Um, oh, oh, sorry, no, uh, reproduction. So we have, um, and one of the things we, we wanted to write this book without focusing too much on sex. Um, we thought that um, there's a lot for kids to know about how to take care of their bodies and about the penis um, without a focus on sex. Um, for example, like, you know, how long it takes to urinate, why you have to urinate, um, how to keep your penis healthy. Um, but uh, we did talk about the changes in puberty that occur and, uh, uh, and uh, the sort of changes in your body as uh, you hit puberty. Uh, we So we have a little table of the fastest fluids your bodies can produce, um, in particular farts, semen, coughing, and sneezing. Uh, and we compare those speeds. Um, and uh, they're pretty fast. <laughs> so this, this is, last chapter, 
is <laughs> See, that's um, officially like one of my most favorite parts is that yeah like, same i've got the, a t- i got a tab on that one <laughs> yeah. tab on yeah. that one yeah yeah i don't think people know that you can sneeze a uh, hundred miles an hour that's like faster than um the high speed train it's really really fast mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so the last chapter is um there's is a uh, really practical and uh i mean we need to tell all the penis owners out there that you know when you pee on toilets, you've got to open the lid and you've got to clean up after yourself because people are going to use this, uh, use this place after. Um, that they've got to, how to clean their penis when their penis starts changing and how um, how to protect it when they're uh, doing sports. Um, these things are basically important so that they actually can maintain their penises uh, for their lifetime and uh, they can uh, uh, stay healthy. That's great. Yeah. I, I, I like the, the cleaning tips are definitely one thing that I get a lot of requests. Well, particularly we were saying like Barb and I work to support uh, often like neurodiverse learners, some people that have like intellectual disabilities and mm-hmm. like asking for resources around teaching, cleaning a penis are kind of like hard to come by. So I thought that was a great like addition to the, to your book. Is there anything else in there? I mean, I think like the so like the, the cleaning bed is definitely like something that is unique and I don't see in a lot of other um, like sex ed books. And I think this book is a nice combo of like biology lessons and sexual health education just because it's about the penis. Um, it's kind of like by default gets put into sex education, even if it is just a biology book. Um, and the marking territory, is there anything else in the book that you think is a bit unique or you definitely wanted to include um, that you maybe haven't seen in other books or you thought maybe it was important when you were thinking about your son, for example? Um, well, we really get into uh, what what pee smells like and looks like uh, for humans and different animals. We talk about asparagus pee and mm-hmm. uh, we talk about the, um, the bear cats who have pee that smells like hot buttered popcorn. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's great. And I, those things are like stuff that people don't, don't talk like those things that people don't talk about. And then you just sort of like are an adult and then you wonder why like pee smells different or why your pee looks different at different times of the day and stuff like that. Right. And, and that like pee, I think is a good um, introduction for kids, for young kids. Um, and our, uh, next I'll ask you to talk about like the age group that you think the book is sort of like geared towards, but if you start like paying attention to your bodily fluids and if that's just pee, that's like an accessible starting point and that encourages people to think about like other bodily fluids or functions, right? Like paying attention to your bowel movements, paying attention to like semen and things like that. Like if it looks different or smells different or something like what's normal, what's of concern. I think like opening that conversation is like just super important for health and safety. Yeah. I think, uh, we can have so many things to observe about our body um, and kids, they should start young at sort of, you know, being a scientist and being realizing that everything that your body's producing is sort of telling you a message. And this book is kind of like a, allows them to have the tools to be their own Sherlock and understand what their P is trying to tell them. Yeah. I love that. I call it when I, especially when I work with young kids, so sort of like, um, like kindergarten through grade three or four, I'll use, I use the term like body science lessons or body scientist lessons. And I sort of say like, let's get together and we're going to be body scientists today. And kids just like love that, that like they could be a scientist. So I think that's great. 
And when you're thinking about the book or when you made the book, what, what age group are you sort of, um, what age group did you have, did you envision and and how do you maybe see like, uh, parents or teachers using the book? Um, we envisioned this book is for seven to 12. Um, but, uh, from the first rounds of, um, giving it to friends and people buying it, um, I mean, I've had definitely, I mean, children, like, uh, children who can't read, have their parents read this book to them because the illustrations are great. And, um, I would tell you really small children love these pictures. They <laughs> said, um, the, the, one of them uh, said to their mom in Chinese, like, let's read the book with all the penises again. <laughs> they're, they're talking about that penis montage. And, uh, and, uh, I mean, they have these other, the four-year-old and a two-year-old has dad, um, reads the book to them and the kids, they just, they just love it because it has all these pictures of these animals and um, all these facts that they can know. So I think even for kids who can't read, if they're parents, it's definitely, it's a book that can be read to their kids because there's, um, it's not, it's not very long mm-hmm. and uh, it's a jumping off point that they can have conversations. So I can imagine. So my son, he, of course he was old enough to read the book. He took the book um, and my daughter took the book uh, and just read it on their own. Some children, I think, maybe would feel more comfortable uh, without having the parent around so they can sort of think about it and things like that. Um, so I think that's fine. Um, I think uh, kids that can't read, that that works well. Um, and uh, I mean, even, uh, even middle schoolers, there's probably some things in there they probably they probably don't know. Mm-hmm. We are like always like we when we talk about like different books, we always talk about like there's things that a lot of the time like is helpful for adults to learn or like there's facts in the book that like I did like that I didn't know. Right. So there's there's stuff for adults to learn and, and learn together, which I think um, is like sometimes like a good model for for kids, especially around like conversations that fa- families or parents or caregivers might have like a harder time having. Um, or be uncomfortable with like it's it's good to sort of model like I didn't know that and because kids I think think their parents know maybe everything until a certain age and then of course it switches and their parents know nothing <laughs> but um but like you know I think it's nice to model like that you can learn a new fact from a kid's book as an adult yeah I left the book in my fencing club and uh it just got passed around by all the coaches um because I wrote another book um uh, which had a uh, few pictures and uh that I don't think they would pass it around like this one. <laughs> Something they, about that penis montage. <laughs> yeah, they just uh they they just uh, it just kind of pulls you in. The the illustrations I think um from the feedback we've gotten they I think they strike for more young audiences. I mean they look like something a kid kid would really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um can you, I mean, the, the speaking about the pictures and we sort of talked about the penis diversity, um, could you talk about some of the other ways that you, um, tried to make the book inclusive in terms of sort of like gender and, and body types and, and races depicted? Yes. Um, so I'll, we wanted, uh, people to feel that they were included in the book. Um, I mean, the illustrator's Greek, um, I'm Asian, so We've we try to have all different sorts of faces in the book, um, uh, and from different places. Um, we also um, we wanted to make the book feel uh, inclusive for um, for all children. So um, I mean, uh, there's uh, there's sex and there's gender, and uh, we say very clear in the beginning um, that uh, just because you have a penis, it doesn't make you a boy, um, and uh, we don't think we ever use the word boy anywhere in the book. 
we just talk mm -hmm. about um, you know children and and a penis, and so we really um, we really wanted to uh, make people feel included that way. Yeah, that's great. I think and there's like yeah, like a nice variety of like uh, like kind of body types and sizes, even if it's just kind of like little kids. You've got some people that are just have like beginnings of kind of like facial hair popping up and stuff, and then obviously you've got the the animal diversity of mammals is certainly <laughs> covered as well. Um, for people who might listen to our podcast, like we got a lot of like parents, some um, librarians, teachers, sexual health educators, um, you know, maybe we kind of already touched on this a bit, but how would you see them kind of like using the book or, or what do you think, um, why might they be interested in, in, in picking up this book? Um, the book kind of, uh, I would say it's kind of like training wheels for sex education later, um, I mean, for people to take sex ed and really, you know, listen, um, they've got to be comfortable with their bodies and know, you know, why do their bodies look like this? And this book, um, it kind of draws them in almost like a nature documentary. You have all these, you know, this is uh, animals have to pee and they have to reproduce. So this is what nature came up with. And, um, you know, humans, you might have it looking like this. You know, there's a huge array of types, but you know, animals, you can have these spikes and these, uh, you know, these different numbers of heads and things like that. And they're all, you know, different because they're all serving a different purpose. They're all uh, satisfying their own function. Mm. So we wanted to keep it fun and uh, we wanted people to feel comfortable with their penises and with their bodies so that they could, you know, talk about it with their friends and not, not even just in a sex ed setting, but just like, you know, this is a fun part of nature. So we want children to be able to, you know, just bring up their penises. And if they've got pets, like, oh, um, uh, this is what their pet's penis look like. So just mm -hmm. a, kind of just, a, we wanted to normalize the penis. That is not just, you know, something that we all try to hide and uh, don't talk about, but it's something that has existed, you know, for a very long time. And it's among all these animals, um, so we wanted, the idea was like, they would read this book and they'd be able to feel like, oh, penises are just normal and everyone has them and they're everywhere. Um, so it's not something I need to hide. If something goes wrong, I can just talk to someone about and it's not something I need to feel embarrassed about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think even just like practicing sort of saying the word or the, I mean, penis, you know, penis, butt, like all of those sort of like body part words are like often words that kids will say and sort of repeat. And they get these messages that they kind of like shouldn't say them, but it's really like just, you know, if people were going around shouting elbow over and over again and had the same reaction, then that would have like the same sort of like power. But yeah, I love having the idea of like, um, just kind of normalizing body part conversations, teaching kids to say different words. One of my favorite things to do as a sex educator is teaching like, you know, kindergarten to second graders to try to say urethra. It's real cute. Urethra. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they just, they, they try so hard and it's like, they just love it. And they don't see it as something sexual too, which I think is sort of like one thing that I liked about the book too, is that it does, it's just like, kids that would pick this book up or that it you've kind of geared the book towards in terms of the content and the illustrations are like, they're just learning about science and body parts. And if, you know, I always say that if a 
kid picked up a book about the digestive system or the or the the circulatory system people always get really excited that like they think their kid's going to be a doctor but then if they pick up a book about penises or vulvas or the reproductive system they don't immediately think they'll be a urologist or a gynecologist they're sort of like shocked and dismayed but it's like they're equally important parts of the body that like everybody has you know one or the other or or some combination of of those if people are intersex obviously but yeah. Um, so Landa, you had mentioned, uh, and I don't remember if it was before we started recording or if it was at the like, very beginning, um, that this is something you've actually used some of the content in this book to be able to have conversations with some of the people that you support. So since you and I both overwhelmingly are, are meeting with um, people with intellectual or developmental disabilities or who are neurodivergent, what are the ideas that you have I've got ideas, but you go first. <laughs> of like how do you like how we might use the book? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh well, like I the obviously like the 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 drawings of like all of the the penises, the penis montage was like kind of very helpful. Um there's also like some illustrations that I ha- haven't seen in a in a in a few books. So I'll just uh, like David give you one example of something that I find like is like helpful is like showing a picture like that you've got in the book of somebody peeing into a urinal. Like it's pretty hard to find like a good picture of like a young kid like peeing into a urinal (laughs) to try to make those yourself. So being like, that's what that's what it should look like. So like, that's helpful. I also like, um, I haven't done it, but I could see like I working with autistic kids, often they will have like what we would call like special interests. And so some of those are like often are like specific types of animals. Um, and so I, like the link of like talking about bodies and linking it to animals, if that was something that somebody was really interested in is like a really cool way to like open the conversation and make it more comfortable to talk about like the animal penises. So those were yeah. kind of two thoughts I had. Or, or everyone who's really interested in um, interest in airplanes or in space. <laughs> Which are two fairly common interests. Um, I well, in, in addition to all of these pieces and how this kind of maps onto you know what we would be typically talking about with regard to like puberty or reproduction, um, I feel like this offers a really good, um, I would say at least enhancing conversation, if not being the entry point to talk about hygiene as it pertains to like maintaining the the care and well-being of your penis. And there really aren't a lot of guides that I can think of for anybody of any age um, that that really walk through here are the things that are going to be helpful for taking care of your penis. Like literally, I'm not sure that that exists. So thank you for creating it because <laughs> we need it. Um, and then another kind of, I guess, novel application, I guess, um, because a lot of the people that I support have a hard time um, identifying body cues, right? And identifying like when we feel hungry, when we feel thirsty, when we need to, you know, get up and use the toilet. And I think um, having a conversation around how all of those processes work, um, that sometimes that's beneficial. And this really spells it out in a way that's clear, that's specific, that's accurate without giving too much information, but enough to be able to, um, you know, talk about how all the parts are working together to get pee out of your body. So I'm loving that piece too. It was just a bonus that I was thinking about. Mm -hmm. That's my two cents. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. I think I'm going to show all these 
uh, pictures of animals keeping their penises and their body parts clean. I mean, uh, I mean, they have a lot more flexibility and things like that than we do. Um, and so seeing that they've got to do it, just uh, hopefully it brings it brings home to people that, hey, this is something you have to do. And, you know, I, it must, it's not easy being a kid because there's all these things that society ex- expects you to know and they're not written anywhere. Um, uh, or, I mean, if you're raised without males in the household, I mean, there's no one to show to demonstrate how do you clean your penis? Um, and I've, I mean, this is something my son asked me all the time. Like, uh, my penis is itchy. How do I clean it? Oh, it's got this rough spot or something like that. And uh, um, now, I mean, he's, there's some instructions there that you do have to, you know, something you do have to pay attention to, even though it's something that, you know, it's a sensitive spot in the body and um, society sexualizes it. Therefore, people don't want to talk about it. But uh, practically speaking, you still got to, you know, take care, give it a, you know, a minute of attention every day because um, you're going to be carrying it and using it for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I see that. And then you see like those, that kind of stuff turns into later, right? Like that, like shame or fear of going to the doctor. And I think that's definitely like more pronounced for, for men or, and like most people, more for people with penises or that are socialized as men to like not ask for help about things that go wrong with their body. And then you mm-hmm. hear these stories of people who have, you know, you know, it can be something really serious, either whether that's like a infection, sexually transmitted or otherwise, or like growths or things like that, that people just don't seek help for because they just don't know what's expected and what's normal or like that it's okay to talk to somebody about it. So very important for sure. Um, are there other, you have a little like resource section at the end of the book. Are there any other resources um, or particular resources that you kind of point people to, to, to supplement the book or say when people are wanting to, to expand into that, like more sexual health education or pleasure sort of stuff that you send people to? Um, well, they'll, they'll be learning about puberty and, uh, Eventually, these young readers, they'll be going through puberty. So there's lots of, um, uh, I mean, there's Khan Academy that talks about anatomy of the reproductive system. Um, uh, Ted talks about penis anatomy. Um, so I think there's some things, there's uh, resources out there. Um, we're just hoping the book would make them change their attitude about their penis. And like you said, don't we don't want them to feel ashamed or that this is weird. Um and we want them to feel like that this is, you know, this is something that all mammals have. And a lot of them have, I mean, frankly, things that are way much weirder than what humans have. Um, <laughs> so we wanted them just to feel comfortable about it. So they wouldn't, uh, they'd be sort of feel like they have a license to ask questions later and to look at, uh, look at other resources on the web and maybe even talk to their friends and trusted parents about uh, issues they have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, um, I, are you familiar with the book Fallacy by Emily Willingham? It's like a it's a book for adults, oh, um, but it's it's life lessons from the animal penis. Um, I, I, your book reminded so I really like that. I really love that book that that she wrote. But it's definitely like it's a, like a, a book for for adults, like for adults. It's not it doesn't it has like a couple pictures, but not really. And your book really struck me as like I wanted to share that book with so many kids that I work with. Cause it's so interesting with like the animal sort of 
like lesson and like what what do we know about penises and what does it mean to be human and how can we learn about that and then like your book just felt like a really like accessible like kid version so I was like finally a fallacy yeah. for for children <laughs> so I'm hoping the book will get just them excited about their bodies too um uh so I wrote this book with this it's kind of a comparative biology approach where we try to figure out how things work and why they work, why they look the way they do by comparing different animals. Um, because it's mm. not, it's not explicit when you look at this thing, what is its purpose? Um, and uh, I have another book called how to walk on water and climb up walls. Um, it's for young adults. Um, and it's not about penises, but it's about different body parts of animals and how, how they evolve, like, uh, uh how snakes can, you know, glide through the trees. Um, uh, how, like I, you mentioned the intro, like how eyelashes, why we have eyelashes and how they keep your eyes from getting too dry because they actually act like little aerodynamic shields. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the things of your body, they, they've they evolved there. Um, and a lot of them do some pretty amazing things uh, that we just uh, take for granted because they're just, you know, just out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We don't think about them. Um, are there any other parts of the book that you want to highlight for us that we haven't talked about i feel like we touched on uh, most of the sections i was just like yeah lots i had like the the penis the penis uh menagerie (laughs) the (laughs) the speeds i also like the uh um like the simple you have the seminal vesicle and like some of those parts as well but there's like sometimes i find like the more complicated because there's a lot involved in like the internal anatomy of a of a penis and what goes into making semen but sometimes they're those pictures are like too overwhelming for kids to look at. So like the anatomy of the penis at like the very end of the book for me also stood out. It's just like a nice, simple drawing that like, yes, there's the cowper's gland and the seminal vesicle and the prostate and all those things. And I think those are important to learn about, but for littler kids, they get kind of jumbled in like what is important and and where and why. So that's right. There's um, yeah, we try to just introduce them to the basic parts. Um, And there's a lot, in there that you know keeps it working like uh, when you pee there's actually two sphincters that have to open in succession that's why it kind of takes practice to become to learn to use the toilet and things like that um <laughs> and we have a whole <clears throat> we have a whole physics lesson on ted ed on why it's 21 seconds um like why it's not 50 seconds and based on you know the grav the you know gravitational forces and uh how how wide the the urethra is and things so we have that uh, as a resource. And um, yeah, I mean, any one of these, you could go into in depth and to understanding how, how it works. For example, the, the penis is a muscular hydrostat, um, which is a, an organ that evolved that in all sorts of mammals. I mean, the most familiar muscular hydrostat people think of is their tongue. Um, basically, if you need to have an appendage that has tremendous flexibility, um, you basically can't have any bones in it because the bones are just going to, you know, prevent its function. So, um, uh, the penis, uh, it has no bones, but, it basically, um, you know, stores blood just like the tongue. Um, it, it sort of inflates, it can elongate, um, uh, other animals that do this are elephants. They have their entire proboscis. Their, their famous trunk is, uh, just like the penis. It has no bones. Um, it can pump itself full of blood and the elephants can actually extend their length, of their trunk by 20% when they want to reach out distant objects. Um, so uh, just an example how nature can, you know, come up with lots of tricks to do tasks um, uh, that, you know, appendage with bones couldn't do. Yeah, very cool. 
Very cool. I mean, I learned a lot about penises, so thank you. Um, well, thank you for bringing this book to us. Thank you for um, creating this resource. Like we said, there's like lots of stuff in here that is was new to us and and has like already been helpful um, in our work. So uh, thank you very much um, for for joining us today. Thanks, Linda. Thanks, Barb. I hope your patients uh, continue to enjoy the P word. <laughs> All right, Barb, you want to take us out? Sex Ed Book Review is a collaboration between Landa Fox and Barb Gross, and the views and opinions expressed on this podcast should not be a substitute for professional or clinical advice. Find us on Instagram at Sex Ed Book Review and at www.sexedbookreview.com.